Good morning. 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 Today we are uh, going through Galatians 5, chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 15. And uh, as Noah spoke of uh, last week, we're going through a, uh, a change in the book. We've reached a point where we're talking about things that are practical now. We're talking about uh, love. We're talking about living your life in a way based on knowing these truths. Um, so we've reached a point where uh, we're not really talking about the law as much anymore. We're talking about love. We're talking about um, faith working through love. We're talking about um, loving God, loving your neighbor as yourself. Um, so that's the point that we've reached in the book now. Um, let's see. As I'm sure you're all aware, the, uh, the Galatians were, uh, they had Judaizers who uh, brought in this false teaching and uh, we're well aware that the, um, Paul, Paul's mission was to tell them that uh, this was not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to follow the, uh, the law. You're supposed to follow love and working through faith. So I just want to read uh, the passage, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Uh, verse 13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Um, the Jews were called to follow the law of Moses. They, uh, they were given an impossible task um, to keep the entire law. Um, the law put them under bondage and slavery, and this isn't the case for people who are uh, saved, who are believing in Christ's finished work on the cross. His great act of love on the cross, when he said it is finished, he meant it. Uh, he fulfilled all the demands that the law had on us. Um, so the Jews were followed to call, uh, followed to, they were called to follow the law, and were put under bondage and in slavery of it. But as Christians, uh, believing in Christ's finished work on the cross, we're called to liberty in Christ. Freedom from the law. Freedom from that bondage. So let's talk about the liberty that we do have in Christ. Um, and the, liberty, and the uh, liberty that we didn't have under the law. Uh, first of all, we were under the curse of the law before. Uh, we were living in fear of punishment that... We were never good enough. We were never doing the right thing. We were never good enough to please God and make him happy. Galatians 3.10 says this, that for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is any, as everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So we see that we were under a curse previously. And when Christ said it is finished, um, he, he gave us freedom from the burden of the uh, Mosaic law. Galatians 2.4 says, he talks about uh, people who came in to bring them back, bring the uh, Galatians back into the bondage of the law. Uh, and he's saying, you know, like, Paul's you know, clearly upset, you know. It says, and this occurred because a false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us back into, uh, bring us into bondage. There were false teachers who had crept into the church um, and were trying to bring them back under the law. But Paul 
in uh, chapter 5, uh, where Noah had covered last week, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again under a yoke of slavery. This is, uh, this is our, our freedom cry. Paul's saying, uh, don't listen to those false teachers. They told you that you had to follow the law, you had to uh, live your life a certain way, you had to be circumcised, um, or you're not uh, going to please God. You're not going to um, be accepted by him. But Paul is saying, stand firm in your freedom. Stand firm in your liberty. Don't go back to the law as a means for trying to please God. Don't go back to the law as a means for um, trying to impress him or um, get right with him. Don't make that your way of salvation. Uh, faith alone is what saves you, not good works. When uh, we're living in the liberty of love, however, this is true liberty. This is freedom. You can love your neighbor as freely as you want to. There's no restriction on that. Um, and this liberty is living your life in a way that is to God's glory. Um, this is a liberty that we have in Christ, to live your life as freely as you can for God. Um, and Noad mentioned uh, this last week. Galatians 5.6 says that for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. This is really the entire issue um, this book has been facing. Is uh, It's not about the law. It's about placing your faith in Christ Jesus. Um, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Um, it doesn't bring you any closer or farther away. Um, what really matters is just your faith in Christ and that your faith is being expressed through love, through loving your neighbor as yourself. So Paul gives uh, two sides of it. He says, you're at liberty, but don't abuse your liberty. Don't use your liberty as a license to sin. In verse 13, it says, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. He's saying, don't use the liberty that you have in Christ to indulge the flesh, to um, look after every kind of selfish desire and be envious of your neighbor, to fulfill your sinful lusts of the flesh, um, to do evil. This isn't what the Holy Spirit inside of believers uh, tells us to do. Don't get into the mindset that because you're free from the law, that you have freedom to sin as much as you want. You see that when you were under the law, you were a slave. You tried to please God and make him happy by uh, following the law, but you could never measure up. It was impossible. Um, and it makes you fear punishment that, um, that you're never good enough because you ca never can be good enough under the law. It was never intended to actually be fulfilled by humans who were sinful. Um, the, the point Paul's trying to make here is he's saying don't go from one extreme to the other. Don't go from being under the strict bondage of the law where you had to follow these strict guidelines and rules and regulations to then having liberty in Christ and saying, okay, well, um, I'm under grace and God's forgiving me and he loves me and I know he'll... Um, He'll forgive me you know, when I sin, so I'm going to go live my life the way I want to. I'm going to go 
party it up. I'm going to go drink. I'm going to go uh, smoke and all these things. I'm going to go sin right now because God's going to forgive me. I have, I have friends who think this way. They, they think, you know, it's God's a forgiving God. He's going to forgive me, so I'm going to live the life I want to live. Um, this isn't the way that the scripture tells us to live, though. If this is the way that you are living or thinking, it'd be a good idea to re-examine with the scriptures. Paul says um, to those who think this way in Romans 6, uh, verses 1 and 2, he says, you know, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to the law, uh, died to sin, live any longer in it? It's like, does anybody uh, know how construction works when you, you lay a foundation and you have these, these pillars that you set up? You know, you have these beams and you put the frame up. You're building a, a house. You're building a building, you know? And Paul's saying, don't dwell in sin. Don't continue in sin. It's like someone who has this mindset is laying a foundation that's the wrong foundation. Um, they're thinking that they can abuse God's grace. And by continuing to sin and to live their life that way, it's like they're building this house. They're continuing to dwell in that. They're just erecting this fortress, this, um, this mindset. And uh, they're building it piece by piece. And it's not the way that the Bible tells us to live our lives. Shouldn't... Uh, live your life on a fine line of living for God and living for yourself, living for sin. You know, how close can I get to uh, living for myself but still living for God? How close can I get to sinning in this gray area where it, the Bible doesn't explicitly say I can't do this, you know, and because it doesn't say I can't do it, you know, it must be great for me to do it, you know. Um, but live your life in a way that is pleasing to God. Living your life... Um, you know, your mindset should really be not you know, one of uh, how much can I sin or get close to sinning with God being okay with it, but an attitude of, I can't believe God loves me. God died for me. Um, he sent his son in my place. How could this be, you know? And how can I then show that love to other people? How can I love my neighbor as myself? That's the mindset that Paul wants us to have here. There's a, he put the picture up of the, uh, I don't know if you can read this, but I put this little uh, illustration up. So on the, the left here, we have the law, and you had fear of punishment. Um, that's all the law gave you. You were under strict rules, uh, and the opposite side of it is a license to sin, following after the lust of the flesh. But what Paul's trying to tell us is, be right in the middle. Don't go from one extreme to the other. But live in love. Live in the liberty that you have in Christ by loving your neighbor as yourself. Live for God and love him and serve your neighbor. Um, verse 13 also says, but through love serve one another. Um, Look out for their interests above your own. Look out for what's concerning them. They shouldn't be reluctantly doing it. It should be 
out of the love for your heart, you know, purely, truly loving them. There's no limit to how much you can love them, and it should be expressed um, towards humble service for them. Um, I want to go through two examples. Um, one I'm sure you're very familiar with is the example of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he humbly served us in love. He loved his neighbor. He loved his enemy. Um, it says in uh, Philippians 2, 3-4, through 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let us esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Christ saw our uh, desperate state where we had no, um, no savior, we had no way out of sin, we had no, um, no hope without him. And he saw how we were separated from God and the glory of him and that we were destined for death. And um, you know, he was in a very comfortable position up in heaven. You know, angels worshiping him all day and all the time. You know, it's a very comfortable position. He doesn't didn't have to leave. Um, he was at the right hand of God. You know, but and he could have let us you know die in our sins. He could have let us live uh, the rest of our lives and you know and die in our sins, but he didn't. He, he put our needs above his own. He, be, uh, he humbled himself, become a living man on earth. And Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. This is our example. This is uh, the best example we could ever give, how Christ loved us and humbled himself to serve us he loved his neighbor as himself. And there's another man here today I want to talk about. Um, Matt Clark is one who serves others humbly in love. Matt, <laughs> I don't think you understand how, I don't think this church would be you know, where it's at without you, you know, in the background everywhere. Um, you're always writing letters, always encouraging people, always arriving early, leaving late. You're always there to fill in where space is needed. You're always looking for a way to serve others humbly. Um, and you've always had that. You know, you're not looking for this, you know, look at me, look what I just did. It's just, you know, how can I be in the background and serve others? You're not using your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but as an opportunity to serve one another. And so I, I thank you for that. Yeah. So follow the example of Christ and hopefully an example of uh, Matt will spark other people to um, love others this way. Verse 14 says, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, so love is the fulfillment of the law. It's a powerful word. Um, love fulfills all the, um, the moral requirements of the law. The, the law said uh, it was completed and satisfied and finished, perfected by loving your neighbor as yourself. So Paul's not telling us to 
go back and put yourselves under the law. But he's saying the real issue that the law demanded was that it's saying, love your neighbor as yourself. If you really love your neighbor, would you lie to them? If you really love your neighbor, would you gossip about them behind their back? If you really love your neighbor, would you cheat them in business? If you really love your neighbor um, as yourself, would you do anything to hurt them? Would you be rude to them? Would you um, do anything that's unkind to them? Romans 13, 8 through, 7, 8 through 10 says this, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who, loves has, he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment as, uh, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. And Paul's just telling the Galatians, you know, just reminding them, the law doesn't fulfill this, but love does. The law just shows really how much you didn't love your neighbor. Um, but if you're walking in the Spirit, walking in love, uh, led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We'll cover that next week, uh, walking in the Spirit. You don't need the law of Moses to tell you how to live your life if you're already uh, loving your neighbor as yourself. Because that's all the law really was concerned about was, do you love the people around you? Do you love God? And if you do, you know, you've already fulfilled everything. Verse 14 says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you've, I've heard this many times before. You know, I've got these little app, you know, notifications on my phone, you know, verse of the day, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, mind, and strength. And you guys are very familiar with this, this message. This isn't anything new, but I think in my own life, and probably in many of your lives, we can get complacent in this issue. You know, we, we know that God wants us to, yeah, you know, I'll love your neighbor as yourself, you know, love your God, you know, but but then we don't do it. You know, we're, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, the, when somebody forgets this and they don't do it, it's like they have a health problem and they, they, they notice some symptoms that are you know, causing some, uh, them to be a little upset in their body. They're not sure what's wrong, but they just figure if I just ignore it for long enough, maybe it'll go away and uh, it'll be all resolved. Um, Noah gave the illustration last week of false teachers coming in and preaching a false doctrine and that spreading like cancer. In the same way, I think that a lack of love uh, can spread like cancer through your own body and it can also be infectious, contagiously uh, infecting the rest of the church. If you're someone who is always gossiping, if you're someone who's always lying, then it puts people at, you know, at ease. Oh, okay, well, if you're gossiping, I'll gossip too. You know, and it becomes very infectious throughout the rest of the church. So when a, when a doctor sees a patient who might have cancer, 
they do a couple things. They, they do all sorts of lab tests. They run all sorts of assessments and diagnostic um, things. And they want to assess the patient, you know, do you have any symptoms of cancer? Do you have anything that would make me think that you have cancer? Um, they're gonna ask them all sorts of specific questions about their health. Um, and then they're gonna make a diagnosis and give them a plan and how to um, get better, what treatment you can take, how you can fix the problem you have, and how you can get better. In the same way, I want to assess people here at Calvary and myself. How, you know, do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Are we known for people who are loving? If somebody were to ask you, you know, someone who knew you, um, an unbiased person, would they say truly, you know, David Robertson is someone who loves his neighbor as himself. You know, is that something that they could say of you? Could they say it of me? I don't, I don't know. I, I sure hope so. Um, or would they consider you someone who's bitter, envious, angry, a gossip, selfish, or rude? So I want to cover five uh, questions uh, to, to just assess, like a doctor would assess, to see, are you, are we as a church, somewhat, you know, people who love our neighbors as ourselves? So the first question is, do you know how God loves? And implied with that is, do you love God you know, as a result of it? The second question is, do you know what love is supposed to look like? The third one is, do you love? And the fourth one is, do you love your neighbor? And then, do you love your neighbor as yourself? So I want to go through this and just have people in mind in your own life and think, you know, do I love this person? Do I love them as myself? Think about your neighbors. Think about who is your neighbor. Um, and just consider, do you love them the way that God tells you to love? So the first question, do you know how God loves? Um, God's, this is a very short list of how God loves. And we could spend the rest of the year talking about how God loves. But I'm just going to give a few short examples. Uh, God's, God loves those who are in need. To those who are, in, uh, who are helpless. John 3.16 is probably the greatest verse of love. It talks about how God loved us. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave for the benefit of others, not for his own benefit. He gave his son in our place so that we didn't have to die, so that we could have eternal life with him. The second example is God's love was shown to us by sending his son um, to die as a payment for our sins. He shows his love to us. First um, John 4, 10 through 11 says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that, we love, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love is something that causes us to desire to love our neighbor as ourself. And thirdly, God's love is sacrificial and it doesn't know any limits. 
Um, John 15, 13 says this, that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Um, God loves his friends so much that he sacrifices you know, his, his son to die for them. He, he gives up his life. Do you give up anything for your neighbors? You know, you might not give up your life for them, but do you give anything up sacrificially for them? Does your sacrifice and your love for your neighbors know no limits? Uh, lastly, God demonstrates his love. Um, and he demonstrates his love towards his enemies. He loves his friends and he loves his enemies, the sinners who he calls friends. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus was known for being a friend of sinners. He wasn't known for being someone who uh, was a friend of sinners to go out and sin. He was a friend of sinners in order to witness to them, in order to see them saved. Um, he loved the unlovable and he pursued them. He loved them so much that even when they were his enemies, he went out and died for them. Even when they persecuted him and mocked him and made fun of him and ultimately crucified him, he still loved them. And he demonstrated that love by continuing on that path to the cross, bearing his cross, um, and until he said, it is finished. He loved his neighbors enough to die for them. God gives you a choice when he tells you to uh, love your neighbor. He says it's a good thing. If you, if you follow what I'm telling you, it'll be better for you to do this. Um, and the, re the only reason I can really think of is that when you understand how God loves, it causes something to spark inside of you where you, if God loves me this much, you know, I must, I should really go out and, and love other people the way that God has loved me. I should go show this to people, express it. Um, it causes you to love them the way that you have been loved. Unconditionally, um, you know, he shows you mercy and grace, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness every minute of the day. Can you then go out and show that to other people? Can you go out and love your neighbor as yourself? Do you love others the same way? The second question assessing if we are loving people is that do you know what love is supposed to look like? We've, looked, we've examined God's love, but do you know what like the actual definition of love is? Because many people will say that I'm in love and marriages fall apart. I'm in love, but we broke up. I'm in love, but we don't get along. So what is love supposed to look like in reality? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says this, that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, 
believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is what love is supposed to look like in our lives. Are you patient with your neighbor even when they're not nice to you, even when they're not patient with you? Do you speak words that are kind um, to them? Do you get super happy and rejoice when your neighbor believes the truth of the gospel instead of false teaching? Do you bear all things with your neighbor regardless of the outcome? Do you lovingly forgive your neighbor even when they've sinned against you a hundred thousand times for the same thing? Do you forgive them one more time? When they tell you um, that they're sorry for offending you, do you sincerely believe them? Or do you keep a record of, well, here's another time, I'm, I won't bring it up, but it'll be in the back of my mind that I'm keeping a record of the things you've done against me. Does your love remain constant for them even in the most difficult times, in the hardest days? And do you love your neighbor? And do you like, look out for the interests above your own? Um, the following is what love does not look like. And it's in uh, Corinthians, the verse we just read. And it's when you see your neighbor, do you become jealous of them? Do you become proud and consider yourself, you know, you puff yourself up and think that you're better than them? Um, you think, well, I just got a promotion. I'm better than you. I got a brand new car. I got a brand new house. I'm better than my neighbor. Are you rude to your neighbor? Do you look out for your own interests only? And do you become angered easily by them? Do you keep a, uh, do you become happy when your neighbor isn't treated fairly? Do you know what love is supposed to look like? The, uh, the next three questions in this are really practical. It's how to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we've been assessing, do you love? Do you know how God loves? And do you know what love is supposed to look like? Um, then the next three questions we'll cover is, um, is assessing how we love our neighbors as ourselves. So I want you to think of just at least one person who you don't get along with. Just think of at least one person who's your neighbor it doesn't have to be your actual next-door neighbor, someone who works with you, someone in your family, someone who isn't the greatest friend to you, someone who's even your enemy. And just think through this for the rest of the message. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Um, an example of uh, loving is if you see your neighbor in need, uh, and giving to them. First John three sixteen through 18 says this, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
Do you have any neighbors who have needs? The answer is very obviously yes. We all have needs. We all have things that we need in our lives. But do you see your neighbor in need and give to them? Um, open your heart to them. And I challenge you to open your wallet to them. Open your home to them for them to stay at. Open your ears and your heart to sit next to them and hear how their day went. They might not need money, they might not need a meal, but they might need somebody to listen to them. The next example is washing their feet, uh, serving them humbly and humbling yourselves, uh, putting your neighbor above yourself. John 13, uh, 14 through 15 says this, If I then, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to love, uh, ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Um, do you love your neighbor so much that you would, some, you would uh, serve them humbly in love this week? Can you put their needs above your own? Can you wash their feet uh, this week? And then I, I challenge you to be hospitable to your neighbor and minister them in love. First Peter 4 says this, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one uh, has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Do you have a neighbor who you can be hospitable to this week? Open your home, open your kitchen, uh, and cook them a meal, and get to know them as a, a friend. Are they a, is your neighbor who, in your mind, this person who you don't get along with, is it somebody who um, the last thing you would think of is to invite them over because you don't want to spend time with them? Get to know them and be their friend. The fourth question is, uh, do you love your neighbor specifically? Because you can love people who love you. It's very easy. Uh, even tax collectors do it. But do you love your neighbor? And so the question really is, you know, well, who is my neighbor? Who is, the, who is Jesus talking about? Who is my neighbor? And uh, there's a parable of the Good Samaritan. I won't read the whole thing, but... There's a, a teacher or a, a lawyer who stood up to Jesus and says, hey, you know, I, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength. I love my neighbor as myself, but who is my neighbor? Because he's trying to make himself puffed up and justify, say, well, I love people who love me, but I don't love that person. That's, that person's not my neighbor, right? You know, that's what he's really trying to get at. And Jesus answers him and says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by, certain cha now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, 
And when he saw him, he had compassion. This is somebody who wasn't a neighbor. This is somebody who was an enemy of the person who was injured. Somebody who, the last person you'd ever think of, is showing love to his enemies. And so and he demonstrates his love, just how God demonstrates his love. It says that he went uh, to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So Jesus asks, so which one of these three men do you think uh, was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And he said, uh, he who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So I want to ask you, do you consider your neighbor to be that Samaritan that you would never associate, associate yourself with that person? Who is your neighbor? Well, I want to start off by saying that it's, it's anybody who you know. I asked and did a little survey some, about my coworkers, and they said, well, it's my next door neighbor. That's my neighbor. My neighbor is my dad, my mom, my siblings, my closest friends. Those are my neighbors. But according to Jesus' answer, the neighbor is anybody who you know. The neighbor is someone who is poor, someone who is rich, someone who lives near you physically in your neighborhood, someone who lives in this neighborhood next to the church. Your neighbor is your classmate, your friend, your, your brother and your sister who you get along with, your mother and your father, your coworker um, that nobody gets along with, that people try to avoid at the coffee breaks. People don't like that person. People are annoyed by that person. It's your neighbor's the boss that you don't like. Your neighbor is the boss that you do like. Your neighbor is the person that is sitting next to you in church and the person that you're not sitting next to in church. Your neighbor is the person who sits next to you on the train or bus. Your neighbor is the person who has different religious views than you. Your neighbor is someone who has different opinions than you. Your neighbor is someone who can uh, compete against your business and make you lose money. Your neighbor is someone who loves you, somebody who hates you, somebody who hurts you, somebody who persecutes you, somebody you don't get along with, somebody who doesn't love you back, and somebody who is your enemy. Who are the neighbors in your life that you need to show love to today? There are many people you know, in my life um, that I've had a difficult time getting along with. They rub everybody the wrong way. They don't get along with anybody. Nobody likes them at all. But we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. That person I don't like at work, that's my neighbor. That person I don't get along with at school, that's my neighbor. And God loves them, so I should love them. God tells me to love my neighbor as myself. Charles uh, Spurgeon said something on this topic. He said, just because you don't hate them doesn't mean you love them. Just because you don't hate your neighbor doesn't mean that you actually love your neighbor. 
Just because you're neutral to them and what they do to you doesn't mean that you pour out your life in love towards your neighbor. The last question we want to ask in assessing if we love our neighbors as ourselves is really, do you love your neighbor as yourself? When you think about yourself, what are things that you need? What are things that you need on a daily basis? You need food, water, um, shelter, clothing. You need safety, you need, so you need your health, secure job, resources. You need love from family and friends. You need that sense of community, a sense of trust with people and respect. Um, and emotional needs, and everybody needs salvation. Everybody needs to know God. These are all things that people need, and you definitely take care of these things for yourself. You make sure that you're fed. You make sure that you have enough um, food in the fridge. You make sure that you're warm enough at night when you go to bed. You make sure that there's enough gas in your car. Um, that all your needs are taken care of, but when you think of your neighbor, those people on that list that you're thinking of, that you don't get along with, that you do get along with, do you make sure that every single last need of theirs is taken care of? Do you constantly just ask them, hey, do you need anything? I'm just looking out for you. Can I help you in any way? Are there things that you value more than loving your neighbor? Do you love your cat or your, your dog more than your neighbor? <laughs> Some people do. Do you love your job, your house, your friends and family more than your neighbor? And do you love yourself more than your neighbor? A simple way to do it this week, take the person that you're thinking of and just Ask them how they're doing, and don't just say, oh, how are you doing? Good, I'm good, okay, great, bye. I love my neighbor today. But really ask them, hey, how are you really doing? I wanna know, because when you get past the first minute of conversation, people will actually try to open up when you actually show concern to their, for their lives. I've tried to do this with um, my coworker Juan, you know, he, He's had a lot of things going on in his life, a lot of stresses, a lot of bad things, but just trying to show him love to my neighbor, just trying to show him that somebody cares, somebody will look out for him, somebody will um, take care of his needs. You know, if he needs a ride from work because he can't afford the, the gas, I'll drive him home. If you need, you know, food, you know, it's whatever, it's just money. But in doing that, you know, he opens up. In loving your neighbor, you get opportunities that you would never have before um, in trying to witness to them and trying to serve them. And God promises that he'll provide for all of your needs. So go out and give to your neighbor. Go out and provide for their needs. And God will definitely um, provide for you also. But just truly ask your neighbor, you know, ask them about the struggles that they're having in their life, the, the hard time that they had, 
at work, the, the, um, the trials in their life, and really get to know them. Show genuine concern for what's going on in their lives. Verse 15 says, um, it's just a total contrast. You know, it's Paul's saying, love your neighbor, do this, it'll go well for you. And that love will be infectious. It'll spread throughout the church. You'll love people, people will love people. It'll just be great. But if you, on the other side, if you don't do this, if you don't love your neighbor as yourself, then that can be contagious, like a cancer going through the church. He says in verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And it's kind of like a cancer that's just consuming you. Do you want one cancer cell in your body? Just one. Would you be okay with that? No, because the answer is clearly no. Nobody wants a single cell because that cancer cell takes over the body. It takes all the resources and sucks out the life of the person, sucks out the life of the church. And it takes all the resources and all the nutrients and all the life out of it. Um, it when you don't love your neighbor, you're going to always fight and quarrel with them. You're going to get in arguments with them. You're going to um, be holding grudges against them and being bitter. And that's contagious. That spreads throughout your body and spreads throughout the church. So Paul is giving a warning. You know, he's saying, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Beware that you know, this, this becomes your life, where instead of loving your neighbor, you're known for somebody who... Um, is argumentative, somebody who is a gossip, somebody who holds grudges against people, somebody um, who isn't loving. So Paul's giving this warning. Um, Paul, Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says this. You know, he says, the most important thing that matters, you know, I could get up here and preach. I could tell you all sorts of great things about how to do this. You know, I could preach the word to you. But if I don't actually live it, if I don't love my neighbor, it doesn't even matter. Like I could be a prophet from God. I could be moving mountains with my faith. I could understand all the word and be super knowledgeable. But if I don't love my neighbor, it doesn't mean anything at all. You know, it doesn't profit you anything. If you give everything you need to the poor, but you don't have love, it doesn't profit you anything. So what's your goal as a Christian? Your goal as a Christian is to love your neighbor and to see them saved. Your, your goal as a Christian is to love them and show them God. They're not going to listen to you if you say you believe the Bible and it's all about love and then you don't live it. You don't live, it doesn't match what you believe. You become a hypocrite. But your goal as a Christian is to witness to people, and this can be easily done by loving your neighbor and witnessing to them. I'm gonna close with this, that John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I, I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love uh, one another. Um, 
By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor the same way that God loves you. The same way that Christ died for you and sacrificed and demonstrated his love to you. And this will be a great testimony when you love your neighbor this way. You have liberty in Christ. Don't use that liberty to live for yourself, to live for the flesh and the sinful desires, but use that love, that liberty to love your neighbor just as God loves you. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you for this time that we could come here this, this week to know more about you, to, um, to hear your word. We just pray that this week we be, uh, be able to take these things to heart, to understand these things, to know how God loves us, and that should make us go out and love our neighbors as ourselves, to love people unconditionally, to love people who don't love us, because you loved us when we didn't love you. So, Lord, help us this week to obey your command to love our neighbor as ourselves. I pray this in your name. Amen.